Welcome everybody to the Indie Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Super Joe Pardo, uh, and we have a great guest this week. Well, this week, this is our second episode in the week because we're playing catch up from the from the previous two weeks that we weren't able to uh, get everything synced up. Uh, I've been pretty busy getting this studio together. As you can see, there's boxes behind me still because I was just putting in an air conditioner because it is quite warm in here. Uh, anyway, this episode is brought to you by faithcasters.net. If you're a Christian podcaster or a podcaster who has an audience in the Christian niche, there is a new podcasting platform that is first. It's the first. <laughs> That's right. First podcast hosting and marketing platform designed exclusively by Christian podcasters for p- Christian podcasters called faithcasters.net. Uh, they can use your current hosting solution, or if you need hosting, they got you covered with state-of-the-art hosting options. Use faithcasters.net market, uh, to market your podcast to Christians all over the world. Go to IndiePodCon.com slash faith. Check it out today. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by IndiePod University. The independent podcast conference has decided to open, I decided, to open up the, its archives of every MapCon and Icon event video ever. That's over 100 video uh, 100 hours of video uh, that includes podcasting educational videos social media marketing audience growth monetization ideas uh, inspirational talks uh, to keep you from pod fading and so much more and the video content grows month over month we uh, are going to be adding this saturday just in like two days that uh, conference that's coming up on May 30th at IndiePodCon.com slash virtual, we'll be adding that to the archive as well, or to the university as well, uh, for our archival purposes uh, in, in about a week from when it goes live. So we are constantly adding more video. On top of that, you'll get access to a private Facebook group and get all the podcasting-related uh, questions that you have answered and access to a live monthly call to talk podcast and go to indiepoduniversity.com register for just 9.99 a month or uh, $99 a year and if you'd like to sponsor the indie pod podcast uh, you can do so for as little as $25 an episode and reach hundreds of passionate independent podcasters uh, reach out to me joe at indiepodcon.com for all the details uh, this week we're talking we're going to be thinking and talking as if we were a spy because we have a former spy uh, here on the show today to talk interview questions for your podcast. Everyone, I need super claps in the chat for Super Pete Turner. What's going on, Pete? How you doing? What up? Hey, man. Great to be here. Super excited to uh, be on the show. I know how hard you worked at getting this done because we kept trying and trying, but got to get that studio finished. You know, I, 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 I needed this background, right? Like, and then I got this yeah. box. It's just in the way. And there's an air conditioner. Hey, under whatever. Said box. I got a ladder <laughs> behind me on this side over here because look, <laughs> we're redoing our backyard too. Oh, that's awesome, man. So, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so Pete, why don't you give everybody a back, some background about yourself and like where, you know, the whole spy thing. Cause not everybody gets to say that or, probably necessarily wants to say that uh but yeah. go, go ahead put it put it out there so i was a counterintelligence agent in the army and i had the uh misfortunate fortune of being able to deploy a lot so i, I deployed to bosnia and as a young agent you know with that really no idea what i was doing um you know started doing it and got a chance to do i don't know maybe a thousand interviews maybe even more than that of people and at some point you just 
you know, you beat the mistakes out of yourself. So I got to do that. And then uh, I ultimately deployed as a civilian, either federal or, or working on a contract um, back to places like Afghanistan and Iraq a lot. And so I've got as much combat time as anybody ever going to meet. I've got over a thousand combat patrols under my belt. And again, oh, wow. just a lot of interviews trying to, you know, create influence, create trust with people so that they'll interact with me in a way that helps my commander find out what it takes to win. And that's that's what I did. And then when I was done doing that, I was fully sick of all of that threat and, you know, all of the danger and all that stuff. It just, you know, I was like, I got to do something else. And it turned out that podcasting is basically, you know, the same thing as uh, as being a spy. So I get to continue to use my my spy skills, but in a way that's much more uh, long term beneficial and enjoyable than uh, than being in combat all the time. Are you um so yeah so podcasting is is kind of is is that way right when we're do, yeah. going out of our way to uh, to dig into people's past and find out like what kind of interview questions we can pull up that people haven't had or or, or asked previously. Um, I, you know, so I, I, I totally get that. Thank you for your service, by the way. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot more people lived because of the intelligence that you brought uh, to light. Let's hope. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, I would like to think. I mean, I'm sure if I was you, I would like to think so. That that definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hopefully you know, it wasn't for nothing. Overall, yeah. <laughs> it right, it yeah, wasn't yeah, for checking some boxes uh, yeah. on some paper. Um, so... So, okay. So when did you, when did you get started with podcasting? Well, my buddy, when I came back, my buddy had uh, a show on community radio that he was doing with his kid. And, uh, it sort of worked out that, you know, it worked to have me in there. So I basically started doing that with him. It wasn't per se a podcast, but it was the genesis of what we we're doing today. And, you know, that's gosh, that's over six years ago now. Um, and then we quickly got to the point where what we were doing, you know, the radio station said, Hey, you know, we love you. But you guys got to go and do something bigger. You got to you got to think outside of the box. This is community radio. You know, you guys need to really go try this on a larger scale. And so that's when we started the podcast was when we were figuring these things out. And, you know, that's six years ago that we actually started doing the podcast. And it's, it's been, as you know, as a fellow six year, uh, yeah, yeah. it's incredible. The people you meet along the way and just the show and you know we're fortunate that our show is pretty much the same as it always has been you know so it's had six years to grow and and become something and it's its own entity now at this point like it has its own power its own you know name and everything and it's it's been an incredible six-year ride yeah well congratulations on that because not many people get to say that in general um yeah let alone with just one show right like that's that's a pretty big thing i mean even tv shows don't get to say that most of the time exactly yeah and they have millions of dollars in marketing and power (laughs) and people behind them and tons of people getting paid off of them and all that so it's uh yeah no that that is incredible so uh, let's let's go over some of the um the the tactics, if you will, that you use to, uh, you know, first research before, you know, before an interview. I, I frankly, I don't do much research at all. Uh, that might sound like I'm, you know, not doing what I'm supposed to do as a pro, but 
Here's the thing. I disagree. Most I don't of, do any research either. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is for the uh, folks who are listening who, who believe in research want to understand. Uh, it's it's by design. You know, when I'm doing spy stuff, I encounter someone. I don't know who it's going to be, um, but I've got to figure out in that very short amount of time what, you know, what the goal that they have is and draw it out. And that's what I've done my whole career is, is you know, go out, interact with somebody, you know, and I've got a series of questions I know that I want to ask or types of questions that I want to ask. But so, so it's not, again, it's, I'm already prepared the moment I say I'm going to have someone on. I've got a guy coming on in a little bit. I know very little about him, but I'm going to be able to get him to a spot where he wouldn't normally go because of my background and the thousands of interviews that are behind me that act as my prep. Mm. Wow. Okay. So, all right. So when you, when you get into an interview, because, and, and I mean, I know how that feels because I don't do any, you know, background really background checking other than like browsing their website to decide if I want to have them on my show. Uh, how do you, how do you go about figuring out what it is that you want to ask them and like dig, dig deeper into their, uh, into their background? Yeah, that's a good question. So the basic, the basic philosophy I have is that I listen for things, not to things. So I don't, it's not that I don't listen to the person, but I'm sort of just like scanning what they say until I find that point where I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I need to explore that. And we might go past that point. I'm a, I'm the boss. I, it's my show. So yeah. I'll say, okay, you said this a couple minutes ago. Well, let's go back and explore that. Because what happens ultimately is people, when they talk, they, you know, they get into a pattern and they just kind of skim across the surface. This is a common example I use. So what I do is, okay, you've skimmed across the surface. You've told me the things that are like on the top of your mind. Let's go back to this one thing and tell me more about this. And so then we dive down and explore. Hmm. And then once you get down to that point, if there's something good there, then you hold that mine out. And then you start pulling the gold out of that person You know, with questions like you ask them about examples. Like, hey, give me an example of that. You know, when does that not work? And you just start asking them questions about that specific thing that you listened for and chose to investigate. And that, that gets you to, that gets you that, that gets you the point where they're really thinking and that their brain is clocking and going through like, well, that's more like this. And you can search for things. This is where it really gets good. You search for things like color and emotion and that, that flavor, that context that often is, it's often missed because the person, the things they're saying are already interesting, but it's not the best that they have. Hmm. Well, and so in your, your experience, uh, I guess more as a spy, like, does it get uncomfortable at some point? Not, maybe not for you, but for them, you know, because you're doing, these th I, you know what I mean? Like you're doing these yeah. things of like, and I, obviously your job is to make them comfortable, but like, right. I'm sure that you've had experiences where they're like, oh crap, I shouldn't have said that. Or, oh yeah, like, absolutely. Look, I've made all the mistakes, you know? And so. Yes, if I get fixated on something that doesn't need to be fixated on, like I, you know, I've constantly have to listen as a producer. You know this. You have mm -hmm. to listen as a producer to say, you know, am I asking this question for me or for the audience or for the, you know, for the guest? And if I'm serving myself too much, and I, you know, I make the mistake all the time where I'm like, that was for me, that was for me, you know, then I'm putting too much of me into the show, and whether it makes them uncomfortable or not. I'm not investing the value where it needs to be because I get to talk whenever I want. I can make my, I can do a solo episode, you know, 
uh, I often have people come on and interview me on my own show because, you know, that's what you do. So I try to take me as much out of the show as possible. So, yeah, um, in the olden days, I probably would cross the line and, and push too hard somewhere. And that's just not the kind of interview where I am. Uh, but, but I, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't that before, though. You know, I had to learn to figure out sort of my voice as an interviewer so that I could uh, avoid those things. I would like to think that I don't do that very often now, but you know, it happens most of the time. Like I interviewed um, this guy uh, who writes for the Washington Post, David Ignatius. He writes books and he's been writing about the Middle East for 20 plus years. He made a whole career. He's a very well-known guy. Um, but at the end of the interview, as he's promoting his new book, he's like, man, what a breath of, breath of fresh air. Like, that's really what I'm going for rather than, hey, that may be uncomfortable. You know? <laughs> so, so the gold standard is, you know, can that, does that person, are they excited to talk to me? And they're like, let's meet for lunch when you're in D.C. Like, that's, that's the goal. And I, I get there. And that's, that's when I'm like, okay, that's a really good interview when that happens. Um, you know, as a, as a person that's done, I don't know, 300 some interviews, uh, probably, probably more than that. Uh, or actually more, definitely more than that over the course of th like six different shows I've done over the years. Um, I, I try my best to make people feel, and I've gotten this compliment many, I, I guess it's a compliment. I don't know, but I've gotten this, this response many a times where it's like, people are like, I feel like I just came out of my therapist's office. And, uh, <laughs> especially when they were on the, the dreamers podcast, cause they, they were talking about like their dreams and things like that and, and getting really deep in it. And, um, so I, I, I know, I know the feeling of being able to, to get people that, that, you know, to feel comfortable and, and relaxed and want to, want to share. Now, when you're, uh, when you're doing these interviews, do you, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess I know the answer, but, uh, do you prefer to have it in person or over audio only or video? Cause like all of that is different skills, uh, that, that yeah. you have to be able to work, especially just audio audio. I mean, I remember doing it, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016 and people are like, ah, I don't know if I can do video. And I'm like, uh, I need you to do video cause I want to yeah. be able to see your face and have a conversation with you rather than you know, not knowing when you're going to talk or anything like that. It's just that yeah. you're talking over each other. But what, what's, what's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, my choice is to be face to face in their environment. So, uh, you know, I don't need a studio. I don't need folks to come to my house and, and, you know, spend their time coming to me. I'll go to them. And you know, I do that as often as, you know, I'm able, obviously COVID caveats apply here in this case, but yeah. you know, my desire is to be on the road as much as possible, you know, and, and when I say as much as possible, I mean that like by still maintaining an adult lifestyle, you know, caring for my family and my household and all that kind of things too. So I can't just be gone all of the time, but uh, you know, having a healthy balance of in-person on-site shows. Yeah. That's, that's where I want to be so that I can go out and explore the things that need exploring. Hmm. You know, on a, on a somewhat off topic question, uh, and I, and I've thought this since I, I got to, you know, I've gotten to know you over the course of the last several weeks. You're not, you're not concerned about the fact that you put it out there that you're a former spy. <laughs> no, no, I'm no. not a spy anymore. And even when I was, I didn't hide it. You know, my job is to find things out that no one else can find out. Right. And, and I would say it say to anybody, like I knew how to say this in Arabic. I knew how to say it in Serbo Crow. You know, it's not a big deal. So I would say, if I ask you a question, you don't want to answer. Don't, don't answer it. I, I'm, you know, I'm not seeking to harm anybody. I'm trying to find out what's going on here. 
and, and keep people safe. You know, you got to remember in my environment, I may pop into someone's life one time or I may be back five, six, seven, eight, nine times. So when I'm doing that, you know, part of my well-being is their well-being. And if I put them in jeopardy, I've put my entire patrol in jeopardy, you know, and I'm walking around with guys with guns. It's like we're in a travel biker gang, you know, that causes a lot of violence. So I'm trying to deflate that violence bubble all the time. And, And starting with deception and control is for me is no way to do that. So I just, you know, I don't, I don't worry about that part of it. And everything in my career indicates that that was the right approach. You know, I've, my job is to make friends with the enemy, to get them to trust me and tell me things they might not otherwise tell me so I can keep everybody safe. Okay. So Yane, I guess nobody ended up dying because of the intel that you, not the, not the people that told you, but the, family of the people that told you or something to that effect you know um it's combat so i'm positive that i've been around people that were blown up in part because of their contact with me there's no way to avoid that i i I wouldn't dare say that i never got anybody killed um and i won't speak specifically about anybody that has been killed but i can tell you this there are a lot of people that aren't alive in photos that i have and I, I can't absolve myself of that credit because conflict is hard, man. And the ethics in conflict are different than the ethics in my backyard here in Orange County. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, okay. All right, so that, that answers my question then. All right, so um, I, I think that's – I think it's really cool that you have that, that outlook on it as well. I mean, I guess you kind of have to or you probably would drive yourself insane and not be able to function real well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I accept my mistakes and the fact that a lot of my mistakes, I probably don't realize. And, you know, your mistake might be manifest 10 years later. You just don't know. I'm not saying that I'm a complete failure, but what I'm saying is I've seen too many units rotate through because a lot of times I would stay resident in the spot and the new unit would come in and I would go, oh, you guys are about to make all these same mistakes. And so I'd watch them do that. And then they leave. And if you ask them individually, they did everything great, but they didn't. Because I saw them all come in and make the same mistakes over and over again, but they can't see it. So that taught me that I cannot see a lot of my own mistakes. So, yeah, I've had a lot of specific victory and success, primarily through making less mistakes and, and teaching the unit to make less mistakes. And the vast majority of the intel I collected was not about where are the bombs. It's about where are we being effective and tuning the business part of our machine. Like if you're trying to stabilize the government, the people don't see the government there's a problem with the machine before that step so Mm. the vast majority of the stuff that i did was primarily focused on us and then on things that were non-lethal still vital and important because those non-lethal things secondarily and tertiary if that's a word lead to, to conflict and death so understanding that my ability to make mistakes is probably my, beyond my ability to, for me to recognize it, I think is a key thing for someone that works in an environment that is as challenging and hard to work in as a conflict zone. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, shifting gears uh, back into the, the interview realm, uh, what, uh, what, what's, what's uh, one mistake you've made during an interview uh, podcast-based uh, um this time around like have you have you asked the question that you're like uh, the like ah shouldn't have did that like 
Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, you'll ask him live questions. You're going to be like, ah, that was a stinker, you know, or you did. Sometimes um, I'll ask a conversational based question where there's no question mark at the end of it. I'm just teasing out the next comment. And uh, sometimes if I get too far ahead of them, uh, they don't necessarily follow, you know, so mm. they don't respond with the, they're like, is there a question? And I'm like, well, see, that's on me as the guest. And that happens, I don't know, often enough that I notice it and would like it to stop but I haven't figured out how to do it, you know? And, and again, it's, it's me as the host. So I've done something to separate myself too far from the guest. And so they don't come with me or I've taken too much control in some way. And so they don't know where to go. And, and those are the kind of mistakes that I, I try to eliminate, but there's a standard other things too, you know, like the word choice and trying to, you know, I'm always trying to add new adjectives in. Like I easily will say that's fantastic or that's incredible. You know, like, gosh, Pete, can you learn five more words? You know, so those are some of the things that I do in terms of making mistakes is, you know, I'm always trying to improve my game, improve my vocabulary. And and those are the areas where I'm really focusing on my growth in terms of in-show quality. Now, have you figured, I'm sure you have, how to take an interview that doesn't seem to be going as planned and, and turn it into something that ends up being good or great even? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say this with the necessary humility up front. That doesn't happen for me really at all anymore. I mean, sometimes it does, but I, I'm, you've done as many podcasts and in as many interviews as I've had in my career, I'm doing exactly what I want to do most of the time. So when I'm making mistakes, you got to think about this, like a baseball player's mistakes. Like, you know, my, my toe is twisting in a little bit. I'm still hitting the ball 500 feet. It's just, when I'm doing these things, I'm not satisfied with my current level of production with where I'm at. But for the most part, nobody knows. Now, do I have a stinker every now and then? Of course. Of course. I, I do 20 plus shows a week, you know, a, a month. And, you know, they're hour long. There's all kinds of things that I need to improve. But for the most part, yeah, bad interviews typically don't happen. Um, challenging ones sometimes. You know, the harder part are, are topics that are really challenging. Like we had on this lady, Sarah Brosh, the other day. And she's one of those... Uh, you know, hashtag something while black uh, people. And so she, she got into this conflict with, you know, a dorm and the black students there were very upset with her and it's a whole mess. And it's a really challenging interview because I want to be fair to all the parties involved and tell this story, but it's delicate because, you know, there's racism involved and you're trying to, you're trying to get to the bottom of a story where there's instant emotions that can be triggered in a second. And I want this thing to be palatable to everybody. And those are the kind of high wire type things that I do where I'm like, this is risky and I've got to try to get comfortable with it. But, but I mean, I still managed to do it. Hmm. So what's, uh, so, so what, well, before I go to the next question, what's some of the, uh, what's some of the types of guests you've had on the show, on your show, break, uh, break it down. Well, uh, let's see. We've had Nobel Peace Prize winners, ambassadors to other countries. We've had people that have won multi-Grammys in the same night. I mean, in general, our musical uh, guests have sold over 1.6 billion records. We've had representatives from Congress, combat warriors, number one New York Times, uh, number one bestsellers, you know, people who write movies that we've all seen. So, a lot of really high end performers, but I've also had like some of my friends on the show because what they do is fascinating. I had a guy uh, last week on my show. He's a friend of mine from my hometown. I live 
I grew up in a small town in California. It's right on the bay. And uh, he's going to run for mayor. And he announced on my show, he's like, I'm running for mayor. But the reason why I had him on is because he's a small town business owner on, on a first street, you know, and how do you keep your restaurant open? So, you know, I like to keep the array wide because that's how life works. Sometimes you meet this person, sometimes you meet that person. And then sometimes, oh, my God, I just met this person. And so you have these conversations that that's what I'm trying to do is let you all have a conversation with me where you're sitting there at the table and you're like, what a great conversation, regardless of who the person is. So we've had some incredible people and some people that to me are, are just fascinating. And, and I'm just going to keep on doing that kind of a, uh, a mix with my interview salad. Uh, I, no, I, I, I love that. And they, it, it definitely adds uh, some more validity to not only the show, but to the other guests that aren't necessarily like Pulitzer Prize winners yeah. and, and yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, no, I, 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 you know, as a person that, that did a show that was based around dreaming and had literally people that ran all kinds of gamuts, uh, I, can, I can wholeheartedly appreciate that. Um, yeah. I, well, so during our friend uh, Brett Allen's uh, conference the other last weekend, weekend before, was it? You told a story about going to, to uh, who was the guitarist of uh, the Police, and, Andy Summers. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you were I, I didn't get to hear the whole whole thing, but um, I guess I guess my question is is how did you get invited to the house? <laughs> Like you went to his house, which is yeah, not something yeah. that most people get to do, even when they get to interview, you know, pretty big names. Yeah. And, and to be fair, the times when things like this don't work out, even on the day it's supposed to happen and it's scheduled, you know, like no one tells those stories. And of course, I have those times when you're like, what the hell just happened? But this one went the right way. So we went to Andy Summers' uh, workspace, his studio where he, he plays, and we were all scheduled. Everything was set. I had the emails, and we get there and knock on the door, and his guitar tech answers, and we say, hey, we're here to see Andy Summers and do an interview. He's like, no, you're not, and he shuts the door in our face. And like so the Wizard we, of Oz there. <laughs> exactly. No, you're not. Yeah. And, and so, you know, <laughs> yes. And, and you know, we kept at it, though, because we did. We had an appointment. Everything was legit. And he just needed some extra convincing, which I think is like their first barrier, you know, like because maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't know. But I, it's my job as the host to go, hey, uh, no, really, like we're here to do this. This is, Let me show you the email. I'm not messing around. You know, this is, you know we're glad to go slow with you and, you know, change our day around to make this work. But so ultimately we talk with ourselves into the room and he's like, let me call Andy. Let me see what happens. And then we'll figure it out. But he's not due to come down here for a couple hours. Like, oh, okay, great. So we sit around for a little bit and he gets a hold of us. He's like, just drive over to the house. And that's ultimately how we got there. But even then, you know, our, he's not known to be an easy interview. You know, like just getting him is hard. And then he's, I, would, I don't want to say he's surly, but he's closed off. And look, he's answered every single question about being in the police. Doesn't want to be asked, when are they going to be, you know, when are they getting together again? Again, these are ego questions, right? Like, let's not do that. So we, when we interview people like that, that did something 40 years ago, 30 years ago, we don't lead with that you know like hey joe remember when you graduated from high school and you were so good at being in high school like yeah uh, that <laughs> yeah. is such a new significant part of my life now you know so we just you start off by where are they at and you interview that person and you introduce that person 
where they're at, not where they were. Like, yeah, okay, we'll count for the police and maybe ask a question about that. But my, I'm doing my best not to even bring it up. Same thing with the combat guys. Like, you'll hear me say a lot of times, like, I'm sitting across from a Navy SEAL. And, you know, I'll say, hey, listen, I know you're a Navy SEAL. And, and I'm an operator, too. You know, you and I both have a lot of combat time. But that's a long time ago. Let's talk about other stuff. And they're all like, oh, thank God. Yes, that's great. Because, you know, I've got a lot of war stories. But at some point, I've told them all. And I'm sick of it. And, you know, I've not been in a combat zone seven years, you know. So it, things move fast. I don't necessarily want to talk about that all the time. And I don't mind talking about it. But when someone wants to talk about where I'm at now, what I'm doing now. So that's how we treat Andy. That's how we treat Stuart, Stuart Copeland, also from the police. When we had him on, we didn't want to ask him about him and Sting fighting, you know, because that's been done and done and done and done over and over again. So that, that's sort of, that's the Andy Summer story. You just come in and you say, and this is artist, photographer, musician, Andy Summers. And he pays attention, you know. And then when you ask him questions about his art, where it's at now, that's much more interesting to him. You know, it's like asking Pablo Picasso about paintings in the, in the 1930s when he's painting in the 70s still, you know? Is, yeah, he'll talk about it, but what's really interesting is where he's at now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, he, in theory, he's already done all those interviews back then, too, right? Like, Right, exactly. That, you know, it's yeah. not like they, you're the first person to ever come and interview that person yeah. ever. So, yeah. That's I a good would, point. Uh, let me say something about that because one of the things i do is is i'll take a previous interview and cite it as my reference if you want to understand this person's background go listen to super joe pardo's show with pete turner and he'll tell you all about you know these things and then let's build off of that work because one i always want to help the community and so you know i try to throw those things out there but that's absolutely a useful tool oh it is you know actually i just mentioned that it's it's funny that you you say that because i was literally mentioning that last night with andy wong on the show uh, who, you know, we always like, oh, well, you know, if you're, if you're going to, cause he does an immense amount of, uh, research, yeah. kind of like our, like our boy, uh, Eric Hunley. Uh, and you know, I was like, oh, well, if you, if you already know that those, inter- you know, those interviews exist, like, and you can, you can reference them, then send that person an email and be like, Hey, I referenced your, your interview in, in my interview with this person so that I didn't have to go and like duplicate a lot of those questions. Like that might yeah. score some brownie points and maybe open up to some opportunities to do something that you wouldn't have had a reason to reach out to that person prior. You never know. Right? Yeah. And in general, both those guys do great work. They both, when they interviewed me on their show, they both did an excellent job. Like if you have me on your show, you want to listen to what they did and build off of that. Cause in general, any, any person that they have on the show, they've done a good job with them for sure. They're pro drivers. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, they are. They they definitely are great. Uh, great guys and great at the the whole research thing and knowing what where to go in a conversation. I'm very uh, honored to have both of them as friends. Um, yeah. So let's see here. So we're, uh, we're we're we got a little bit of time left. Probably about 10, 15 minutes left uh, before we we wind down and wrap up. Um, when when you're looking at uh, at you know. When you're looking at interviewing somebody, how do you keep away from being starstruck? Because like that's I oh, think yeah. that's a powerful thing for a lot of people who like I remember I got Patrick Roan on my show uh, from Minimal Mac and he was in the Minimalist uh, documentary. He was in a very little bit, sadly, because he's a 
fascinating person. I, I loved his, his blog and his podcast. And, and I, when I had him on my show very early on back in 2014, I was like going crazy all over the house. Like, this is so awesome. I'm going to get this off to Patrick Road. It's amazing. Um, so, and I learned so much about his story that I did not know about. Um, in fact, he afterwards said that it was the most personal interview he had ever given to that point. Nice. Um, which I think says a lot because, like, Matt Diabella, who did the minimalist, uh, you know, uh, po- uh, documentary, who was, I think, was the director of it, like, I, I love Matt and that he's, he's amazing. And I'd love to have him on, on my show at some point, too. Uh, but, you know, like, that's, it, to me, just, it, it just meant a lot, like, meant the world to me. Um, but how do you, how do you go about not getting starstruck at this point or, or at any point, I guess, really? Yeah, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of people that are starstruck grade people. You know, I've been fortunate with that. And, you know, I always have. So first off, uh, when you've been shot at, things are seen in a different perspective. So, yeah, I'm sitting in Stuart Copeland's house. And and to be you know honest about my friend John, who does the show with me, he's a drummer. He's in his world. He was starstruck. And so you probably can't tell if you listen to the episode. But I had to like yank him along with me because it took him a minute to arrive. And it doesn't happen to him very often, but you know, he met a hero and and it took him out of his element. But you know, what I have on hand all the time are certain questions that I ask to, to ground myself to to the person who's uh, a plane's about to fly over. I apologize. Um, I ground myself. So one of the things I try to find out from the person is what what's something mundane that they do that like if you saw Laird Hamilton taking out the trash back. Like, Laird Hamilton takes out trash is, you know, or Gabby Reese's wife. Like, you know, what's something that you do? That's just super like, Oh yeah. My kids yell at me in the car and call me a terrible. And I'm making these things up, but you know, they have these things that you're like, Oh, your kids hate you too. <laughs> so, uh, I like to ask these kind of questions because it grounds me and it lets, it lets them know that like, this isn't all about, Oh my God, you know, who are you? You're this incredible person. Um, that's one of the things I do. And then in general, I just have certain questions that I'll throw out. Like if I feel like I'm unmoored in some way, whether it's starstruck or just, you know, more importantly, like what's my mindset going in? Starstruck is like a subset of that. Like, was I just in an argument? Did I just have a bad phone call? Am I struggling with COVID-19 and my attitude's poor? You know, what are the things that are impacting my ability to do that? And then how do I, like, what are my go-to things? Like in terms of framework, I always do like, you know, before, during, after framework. And that way, like if I ever get stuck, I'm like, oh, we're in the latter third of the show. Let me ask what's next. I mean, you can always do that. And that's 10 minutes. That's a given 10 minutes. So, you know, it's just those kind of things. But even if like you're not, if you find yourself talking, you have to be able to hear it, right? So if you find yourself talking really fast and you're really excited, oh my God, you have to go, okay, I need to slow down. I need to breathe deep a couple of times. Let me ask them an opinion question. So they could talk for two or three minutes. I'm going to take 10 deep cleansing breaths and calm myself down. If you're stumbling over your words, if you can't shut up, you have to say these words out loud. I'm talking so much. I'm going to shut up and take 10 deep breaths. Hey, Joe, would you fill that time? And then they will. They'll fill that time for you because they know. They're like, yeah, you're a little nervous, whatever. You know. So let the guest talk instead of you is, is a big example. I crap. I had a question for you and I, it slipped my mind now. Um, oh yeah. 
So speaking of, of the future and what's next, who are, you know, let's put it out into the universe. Who are some podcast or who's, who are some interviews you want to have on your podcast? Oh man. Well, I mean, when you do 20 something shows a month, you know, there's always someone coming up that you're chasing. Uh, and, you know, and I can say some ridiculously huge names, but that's how you get those people by chasing them. So I'm, I'm hoping to get, um, well, look, I'm, I'm working on, I haven't figured it all the way out, but I'm working on Joe Rogan always. I'm working on Tom Hanks. I mean, these are some mega names, but you also get names that are just as mega, but, but maybe in a smaller context, right? So I'm trying to get, um, I'd like to get someone that's walked on the moon before there was a new person that's done that. Or maybe Jim Lovell is sort of my compromise there. But these are old dudes and, and maybe they do not in the mood to talk anymore. Maybe they lost the capacity. I'd like to get someone that's 100 years old in the show. I've not done that yet. Hmm. So, you know, there's things like that where it's not necessarily like, oh, my God, Tom Hanks. But there's no reason why if Tom Hanks is in a media mode, there's no reason why he won't do my show. So it's just a matter of, of building the bridge to him so that when he gets there, he's like, yeah, of course, you know, uh, Gary Sinise is someone else who I'm very close to getting, uh, but it's just a matter of timing. And look, these guys are super busy, you know, like Gary it's, Sinise it's, is super busy. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I love Gary. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I just didn't <laughs> yeah. know he was super, I don't watch a lot of TV. So like, is he doing a lot of t like TV, TV shows or like, I don't think he's in a lot of movies, but I, <laughs> exactly. I haven't been on IMDb lately to look. Yeah. 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 He and I were having pimento loaf sandwiches the other day. Um, yeah. And that's the other thing is like these big people, they are busy and their time is exceptionally valuable. That's why I like, again, like you can get remote and go to their dojo like you're gonna sit in my makeup. I'll talk to you while I'm in makeup, sure. And you sit down, throw the headset on, boom, and and you're on the way. So yeah, man, there's all kinds of big people, and who knows if I get Tom Hanks or not. But the thing is, is is the Tom Hanks people are going to know that I'm coming after him because I'm gonna to continue to make my way to them until I, I find. And this is what spies do, right? Like you don't get to meet the person you're not supposed to meet. You meet the person you're not supposed to meet by meeting enough people that the door gets open and you're like, how have you not met Pete? Everybody knows Pete. Right. So that that's sort of where we're headed with the show. And we're always doing new things. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping <clears throat> it's a very realistic possibility that I'll be sitting in front of someone very senior in, in the current uh, presidential administration. I'm not saying President Trump, but there's a couple of people that I'm after because I'm working on a project that's right up their alley. And, and all of a sudden, when you've done something like that, you've got a real a real entry card. And so, you know, maybe I'll be in front of those guys, maybe not. But those are the kind of things I'm looking for to take my show to an even higher level. And it's already ridiculous. I can't like the break it down show is just surprising to me at how crazy it is. But it continues to get crazier. So I look up and I think, is that where I'm headed? And then I look back and I'm like. Yeah, the whole time I was headed that way. It's I don't, and I'm not trying to be braggadocious. I'm trying to give people hope and everything. I remember when we would have people, and I was like, "Oh my God, how did this happen? How, why, why am I leaving this person? Why am I leaving Stuart Copeland's house? You know, we brought melon to him, and he's like, "Oh my God, I've been craving melon." <laughs> it's like <laughs> these crazy things happen. But again, like you manifest it by by saying, you know, "Hey, let's let let's focus on this. Let's see what happens." And in the meantime, when you don't get Stuart Copeland you get 150 other incredible people that that fill your soul with goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. Um, and and I would also I mean, I, I mean, I, I've built much of my podcasting career around interviewing people who aren't like, you know, known for being in the police or, or, or anything like that. And that's 
Um, so the, I, I think there's just something to be said for both sides of it, right? And and people saying like, hey, you know, it's great to see that um, you know interviews that aren't like the people aren't on every single like they're not making the rounds and on every single you know podcast right. and and TV show or or, or anything like that um, video vlog thing going on at the time so it, it, it it's one of those things where it's like you don't have and and we were going through last night andy and i were going through um our first 10 episodes and and it was just like i mean i, I think i got through almost every single one for like the first 20 some episodes were like friends of mine now some of yeah. them were were bigger names in 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 certain communities but they were still friends of mine like you know it just it just so happened that we were, we were friends so um so yeah, so it's, it, it, you know, if you're if you're especially if you're just getting started, like this is it, it, you don't have to just chase after the biggest names of whatever you know niche or industry you're looking for. You know, start with get the reps, and then, and I think that and I and I'd imagine you would agree with me, Pete. And uh, the number one thing I, I I always say is like just put the reps in, just keep doing interviews. Keep, you know, that's the only way you're going to get better at because studying it. It's great, but until you just yeah. keep making those same mistakes and realizing what you're doing wrong. Uh, and making adjustments, it's, it's never going to get easier or better for you. You know, that's a hundred percent correct. You know, no matter where you start out, your show will be better in 10 shows. It'll be better at 50 shows. You know, we're coming up on 800 episodes of the break it down show. Yeah. You don't think that we've grown in that time. I mean, it's, you know, you get, you get to a certain point where I'm not worried about the interviews. Like way back in the olden times, Yvonne Lendl was a really famous tennis player. And he said, I don't practice tennis. You know, <laughs> I don't need to practice tennis. I've already mastered that. I have to work on fitness and, you know, mental things. And so, like, that's really where. Like where Alan Iverson there. Practice. Yeah. Am I practice? I don't practice. Yeah. I'm going to go shoot jumpers. No, I'm not going <laughs> to shoot jumpers. I, I'm gonna, Yeah. So it's the same thing with, like, when you reach a certain point, that muscle is built. I got huge quads, you know. Now I need striation. Now I need, you know, whatever, my diet. I've got to work on other aspects of the show. You know, the marketing stuff. Oh, my goodness. SEO. I mean, that's really like, you know, how do you get associated with the people that have money for podcasts? And not nickel and dimes, but like thousands of dollars that, you know, how do you do that? I can do interviews all day long, but if nobody's ever going to give me a big pile of money, then then I've got to work on that. It's a much bigger problem, you know. How do you get on Wondery? How do you get the New York Times to recognize your podcast and write about? How do you get picked up by a major media network? Those are the kind of problems you have to solve, but you can't solve those out of the gate because you got to do your reps and learn how to ask questions and not be reliant on interrogatives. You know, ask better questions than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, like like the Dave Jackson says, uh, we're you know, stop asking about how to make money. Stop asking how do I get good? How do I get great? How do I? Yeah. How do I tra- transcend where I where I am right now and and get to that next level? And um, I mean the, the the good thing though is is if you're to the level that you're at, Pete, where where you're able to get those level like those you know big names on there, getting the that uh, getting in the New York Times, getting the attention of, of media outlets and stuff is it's the same skill. Uh, you know, right. getting in front of those people hitting them up on Twitter, hitting their people up on Twitter, hitting them up on email, putting your, putting your face in front of them. So they're like, Oh, Hey, look, Hey, Hey Pete. And then being like, how did you not know about Pete? What, you know, exactly. I, I'm seeing them everywhere all of a sudden, like it's just guys everywhere. Um, yeah. 
you know, that's the kind of skills that, you know, you, you build, you'll build indirectly just by, you know, putting yourself out there and, and constantly doing it with your interviews and getting good at and great at them. Yeah. Yeah. Like by the time you get to that point, you should already like be past like that. I'm trying to get good at interviewing stage and you're already, you know, like this is how I build a business because yeah, the, the question you always get asked is how do I monetize? Like, well, <laughs> how many people that you've never had any opportunity to meet are bonkers about your content? And if you can't, if you can count them on one hand, then you need to get more, more hands full of people like that, you know? <laughs> so out exactly i mean that's how you monetize that's that's the absolute secret how many people can you get to come through the turnstile and let me tell you something it's not people that you know they they love you but they're not going to be for the most part they're not going to watch everything you do at least not for a long time and i've got a lot of my friends that watch the show but you know it's not them anyhow like you have to be exponentially bigger than that you need a big massive audience in in michigan in canada brazil is an enormous podcast market you want to make money, go smash that podcast market in Brazil. And then you'll have a chance at really getting somewhere because, you know, America is saturated in a lot of ways, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how you monetize is you get to the spots where the money is at and you're already so good that it's like when you write your first book, you know, you don't get to be a millionaire and that's just not how it works. A lot of people are going to tell you, no, when you've written your 28th book and you know, all those secrets and you know, all those tricks, now you can make money because you're working on different parts of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, um, Pete, before we wrap up here, is there any last thoughts you'd like to, to shoot out? Uh, and then how people can get in, in touch with you as well. Yeah. So just the general thing is, is get in the pool, get those laps in, get those reps in, get in front of the mirror and work out, like constantly work on what can you improve? Don't make big changes. These are small changes, habits. So if right now you're struggling to put a show a week out, that's a great goal. How do I get better at putting a show a week out? Break that down to its smallest elements. What are the tactical day-to-day -day things you have to do to feed your show? If you're not feeding your show all the time, then it's starving, and that's not a show that's growing. That's a show that's shrinking. So figure, But yeah. don't be hard on yourself. Like, What can you do now? What can you add? What can you outsource? All of these things are possible. And then um, have a mentor. Have, 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 have a mentor. Where are you going? Who's two steps ahead of you? Get that person and bug him and, and say, hey, how do I do this better? How do I how do I build this capacity? And, and, and they'll help you. You'll find those people. And then in terms Absolutely. of getting a hold of me, I'm simple. Peter, break it down, show.com at, at P.A. Turner on most social media platforms. And, and I talk to people. So if you want to get a hold of me, yeah, send me an email. I'm glad to talk to you and, and help you out. So I, I want to see folks create and I want to see them realizing their dreams. And if I can give them a nudge, I'm glad to nudge. I, I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pete, for being on the show. And I'm glad that we were able to finally find a time that worked out for both of us. And uh, I'm, I'm, I definitely want to have you on the show again uh, to, to dive in deeper. Um, so uh, wrap up here. Uh, if you haven't heard, we have a free live virtual podcast conference uh, on Saturday. Podcasting to video. Go to IndiePodCon.com slash virtual. Uh, this episode is brought to you by FaithCasters.net. If you're a Christian podcaster or a podcaster who has an audience in a Christian niche, there is a new podcasting platform. That is the first. That's right. The first podcast hosting and marketing platform designed exclusively by Christian podcasters for podcast uh, Christian podcasters. 
called faithcasters.net. Go check them out. Please uh, support the, the show. And then uh, IndiePod University. We have over 100 hours of video, podcasting education, social media marketing, audience growth, monetization ideas, inspirational talks on to keep you from pod fading and so much more. Go check it out at IndiePodUniversity.com today. All right, Pete, thank you again so, so much. I hope you have a, a great rest of your day and hope you get to continue enjoying that great California weather. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's getting sunny if you can't. It's a little intense. Yeah, Thank yeah, you so I much for that. having me on, Joe. I see that. Of course, of course. <laughs> Take care.